a concerning new report regarding burnout in our healthcare heroes during the pandemic. Let's welcome back to the show, Dr. Adam Kassam, head of the Ontario Medical Association. He joins us now here on Global News Radio. Dr. Kassam, good afternoon. Nice to have you back with us. Jeff, good to be with you. All right, tell us about this new report. Just how prevalent has burnout been over the last 18 months or so? Well, Jeff, almost three quarters of physicians, so 72.9% of physicians surveyed by our association, the OMA, said that they experienced some level of burnout in 2021. Now, that was up from 66% the previous year. And just for your listeners, burnout is a syndrome of chronic workplace stress characterized by exhaustion, fatigue, and feelings of negativity towards one's job. And when we drill down a little bit deeper, physician burnout has been associated with increased depression, substance abuse, and even suicidal thoughts. And so tackling burnout, in my opinion, is one of the most urgent needs facing the profession. It's been exacerbated by COVID. And what we, are, what we really need is a system-level change that needs bold action from our health system partners. Well, I was going to ask you exactly what can we do about this. This is obviously uh, concerning, and we're worried about our healthcare uh, heroes, our uh, frontline uh, workers who have uh, done such a great job for all of us the past uh, year and a half. And, you know, what can we do? What should we be doing? What do we need in place to make sure that this uh, burnout is, you know, somewhat kept under uh, control or uh, treated for those that are feeling it? Yeah, Jeff, there are multiple drivers of burnout. And what's important also to understand is that uh, burnout existed before the pandemic. In fact, we had a burnout task force that was struck in 2019 pre-pandemic to drive some of these changes and provide support to the members uh, that we serve at the OMA. But broadly speaking, for example, there are many uh, there are many areas where we could improve. So, for example, uh, electronic documentation has become one of the bane of uh, many of our physician colleagues' workplace existence. So, physicians, for example, spend two hours on electronic documentation for every one hour of direct patient interaction. And I can tell you, in my hospital and the clinics that I work at, I have a similar phenomenon where if I go and see a patient and I assess them, I talk to them about their past medical history, their allergies, their medications, we do a physical exam, and then we come up with a game plan. Uh, after that interaction, I have to go back and document everything that just happened. And so that is a huge driver of burnout. We also know that part of the digital health tools that we're using now, so electronic medical records, for example, are often not talking between systems. So if I see a patient in my hospital that's come from another hospital, oftentimes those two systems aren't linked. So I can't see what happened to that patient in another part of the province. And that's a problem because we don't want to repeat unnecessary care, but we also want to know if anything that's changed would be relevant for their care now. And so making that seamless moving forward is going to be extremely important. I talk about click burden. If I have to click 100 times to get to a page that I want to know more information about my patient for, that's, that's, not, a, that's not an IT solution. That's a burden. We also think about flexible work arrangements and work-life balance. You think about the eMERGE doctors and the ICU doctors who are doing shift work. There's not a whole lot of balance there. And so we need more flexible work arrangements. And then that ultimately that means support for physician wellness in these workplaces. Can you talk to us a bit more about that, Dr. Kassam? Because it seems to me it's just not about, we're talking about burnout here, but it's just not about uh, hours worked or the intensity of the work. I can only imagine being on the front lines day after day of the uh, pandemic. What sort of toll that takes on our healthcare heroes who are taking that home? And it's maybe somewhat similar in a way to journalism, where a lot of journalists experience that as well, that they are covering stories that are sensitive and emotional and we're all human. And you take that home at the end of the day. I have to believe that has happened to a lot of our doctors and frontline healthcare workers. Certainly has. You, you don't, um, you know, uh, just take off a hat and, and 
when you go home, uh, you know, over the past 18 months, we've seen a lot of devastation in our communities. And we know that the people of Ontario have also dealt with a lot of that sacrifice, that challenge, the shutdowns, the, the vaccine rollout, et cetera. And so we know that we've all been experiencing a lot of hardship during this time. And you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, healthcare providers are human. We have families, we have emotions, and, and it's hard to sometimes compartmentalize the way we feel um, within the scope of our practice, but then also when we come home to our loved ones. And so uh, understanding that and making space for that to, to, be, to be discussed, but also ultimately be acted upon, that's really what's going to get us uh, out of this, uh, this problem and ultimately create sustainability for our healthcare workers moving forward. I suppose the answer to this next question is we can always do more or do better, but are there enough supports in place to help those in the medical profession that are experiencing burnout? We need more. Uh, you know, at the OMA, we're proud of the work that we've done uh, in this space. We have a physician health program that helps to support our physicians in need, uh, but we can't do this alone. And when we think about having physicians and other healthcare professionals being asked to do more and more with less and less, uh, that becomes a system problem. And when we think about wanting to have healthy communities, healthy patients, we can't have either of those without healthy physicians and without a healthy physician workforce. And so we have to understand that if, you're, if your doctor isn't healthy, then he or she's not able to then take care of the thousands of patients that they're responsible for. And so therefore that care is potentially at risk. And so this, it has knock-on effect, broadly speaking, in our system. And so this is why it should be a priority of every healthcare stakeholder right now. Right. And what sort of uh, supports need to be put in place that aren't there now, doctor? Yeah. So, for example, there are jurisdictions around the world, for example, in the United States that uh, that use medical scribes. Right. So instead of having to worry about documenting everything, there's someone there who can actually do that. Or there's a technology that's built into EMR to allow to do that automatically. That would be an example of of, of, of burden shifting away from some of the administrative problems that we're having or some of that burden that exists right now. Uh, obviously, uh, a sustainable investment in a restructuring or a transformation of our healthcare system, where, where, whether it's a unified EMR or other technologies that make things better, not worse, that's going to be important. But that requires significant investment on the, on the parts of governments, of healthcare institutions and hospitals and, and uh, you know, organizations. So this, this requires a broad spectrum of support from a lot of these different players, and we, we're calling on them to, to come to the table. And finally, you mentioned uh, support and investment. I mean, the pandemic, its uh, effects uh, continue and obviously will for some time. Uh, One of those effects is we've got a backlog of surgeries that need to be uh, cleared. And I'm just uh, wondering overall, just numbers, uh, do we have enough doctors uh, right now, Dr. Kazan? Jeff, we've had a health human resource issue in this country, in this province for decades. Uh, We've had physician shortages. There are a million people in the, in the province of Ontario that don't have a family doctor. So we, we, do, we have an active shortage right now. And as you're describing, there is concern that even throughout this pandemic, we have seen some attrition, so people leaving the profession as a result. And so that's creating a further stress when we think about the pandemic backlog of care. 16 million points of care have been delayed as a result of the pandemic. And you can imagine that that's going to take some time to get through. In fact, some of our research and our analysis suggests that it can take up to one or two years, depending on the type of procedure or diagnostic imaging that's, uh, that, that, that's delayed. It'll, it'll take some time. And that's with doctors potentially working at 120% capacity. I can tell you from the folks and the doctors that I speak to on a daily basis, that's just not possible. You know, my wife and I, my wife's a family doctor, we haven't taken a, a break in 18 months. And, and you know, we're, we're all sort of at our wit's end. So I think that while everyone has been, been sacrificing, I think this is where a moment of transformation is going to be required moving forward, and we're going to need all all the help that we can get. All right, doctor, thanks for your time. Appreciate it on this important topic.
Thank you so much, Jeff. All right, be well. Dr. Adam Kassam is the head of the Ontario Medical Association on this uh, new research, this new report that uh, has just been issued that 75% of uh, doctors have been affected by a burnout over the last 18 months during the pandemic. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.